So Sean was just fussing about a very common problem that entrepreneurs and creatives have when they meet, which is somebody has something in their head that they want the creative to make. They don't know how to explain it, describe it. They don't know the language. They don't know the lingo, the jargon. They don't know what they really want. They don't know how hard it is that they ask and they don't know how to do it themselves. And so you run into Sean's problem, which is, hey, I, somebody paid me to make something, but it wasn't what they wanted. But also, it doesn't sound like they know what they want. Yeah. I think in this particular instance, I tried doing everything I could in advance to make sure we're in alignment with what they wanted. But it was just a lot of back and forth. We had gotten approval for songs for the first round of videos and then when we sent them the videos they're like we want to change the songs and anybody who makes videos knows that if you edit to the beat changing the song it's kind of like starting completely over you know um at least removing every clip to uh you know where there's like a hi-hat or a drum or you know a bass drop you know um and the guy just wouldn't get back to me you know um so it was uh it was like he didn't care, you know, and it's like, we're doing this for your brand. You wanted the videos done immediately. We got the first round of videos sent to you within four business days of the event. And here we are 90 days later from when the event took place. And he finally paid, you know, the second half of his, you know, balance owed. And he's complaining, you know, this isn't what I wanted or expected. And you didn't follow directions and everything I tried to do with documenting the process. He never commented on frame IO. He always wanted to be phone calls. I had a almost three hour call with his creative director. I had to take notes on that. After that, I had a call with the client. I took notes on that. And some of the stuff that he's saying is like super subjective. Like I'm talking when we went through the video, some of them, he would be like, Oh, see this clip right here. The white balance looks off. One little clip that plays for half a second, he thought the white balance was off. And I'm telling him at the event, if you remember, pre-lunch, the lights were different than they were post-lunch. So the lighting wasn't consistent throughout the day to begin with. And just thinking, you know, he's really just worrying about things at the end that don't really matter. It's not going to matter. Nobody else will notice. Um, and I thought it was super relatable because, you know, I've talked to many clients, you know, we've all had all, other videographers have all had, you know, instances with clients where they're difficult. They don't get back to them. And how do you do, you know, how do you handle it? What do you do? You know, in the future, what I would do is add in the contract. If you don't get back to me within seven days of me sending you a revision, you forfeit the revision and the invoices do. Because if you read our contract, the way it reads is until he approves the final uh, round of edits that's when the invoices do but if he never you know reviews the videos then how is it due you know so that's the lesson i learned on this but felt particularly bad too because i brought kyler in on it to help me with some of the editing and uh it's just a little frustrating how, how is it from your perspective kyler because you didn't have to deal with the client but i filled you in on you know as best as I could, you know, with updates of status and where we're at. Yeah. Um, it was, it was interesting for me. I don't think it was as bad for, as like compared to you. Cause you're the one that has to deal with the client. I'm just waiting for your direction. I'm like, okay, he wants this. He needs this, whatever. 
But I think we've all, if you've been in the space long enough, the creative space long enough, you dealt, you come across people that are just more difficult to work with. Uh, I think it's just part of the game. And then also a learning process of like trying to filter those people out before you work with them. But the, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just some clients that can't give up the creative control. Whether it's because it's their personal brand or I don't know, that's just how they work. It's just tough. I think like we talked about this too, there's clients that like to be, like to say that they're hands off. They're like, don't, yeah, no, just do it. Like, I don't care, whatever. Um, I trust you. And then when you get it to them, they're like, all right, this, 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 this. You are like, you gave me the creative control and then you told me you liked my style of editing, but then I have to edit it exactly how you want it. So now it kind of just defeats the whole purpose of why you hired me. So I think that's where the collaboration thing comes into place pretty big. Um, and then like sometimes when you have an idea of how something should be edited and then it goes completely differently, then it doesn't even look like something that you edited. And then obviously as like the entrepreneur or whoever's guiding you in that process, the video is probably not going to turn out as good because they're trying to critique everything. So now it doesn't look like an editor who understands timing and pacing and all these different things. It just looks like a compilation of clips that are just pieced together. That's like, oh yeah, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was an interesting project. Um, definitely not like my first time dealing with something like that. But I think overall, it wasn't like crazy on my end, I should say. Is I feel like it's more stressful for you um, because you you're the one that has to communicate, and I'm like, hey, whatever Sean says, I'm we're gonna do. But um, yeah, that's just that's just creative process, and you're just gonna get those rotten eggs every every once in a while. Um, but yeah, it's a good learning process, and you learn something from it. So it's like, okay, no matter what going on in the contract, it needs to state this. Um, I've had issues with that before too. So yeah. So it's you lose money. That's what's most probably the worst part. Time and money. So But yeah. yeah, I think it's important for people to know what you do. That's like that happens so often where somebody sees you with a camera and you look confident and they're and then they say, I want to hire you for whatever I need. And I'm like, I don't do what you want. I <laughs> yeah. wanna do what you want. And so, like, you don't know my style, you don't know my pacing, you don't know what kind of music I, I sync to well, you don't know how good my storytelling is. Like, there's weird things. I don't use, you know, I do a lot of B-roll type videos. Um, dialogue has always been difficult for me. It depends on the video. I'm not very good at brevity. Like, these 60-second videos are actually hard for me. So there's like a lot of different things that come into it where it's like, you got to really know what you're good at making and what you enjoy making and then finding people that need that. And then what happens is, yeah, you can't listen to them. And that's just boundary setting. That's just, you know, learning how to say no to the wrong work is part of it. And then there's definitely what's called the F customer. If you look at a spectrum from A to F, A is the people who they have the biggest projects. They pay the most profit. They're the easiest to deal with. They're the happiest. They give you referrals, right? They're the A customer. And then there's the F customer. You got to fight with them over money from the start. They have, they ask for the most, they pay the least, 
right? You make the least margin. They come back with criticism. They don't give you referrals. They're, they tell you they're not happy. It's like the, it's like, it's the hardest way to make money. Uh, and nobody's happy. So it's just, I just try very hard to cut out like no F customers. Yep. I think that's something Kyler and I were kind of talking about the other day too, where I was mentioning, you know, in 2024, I want, I want it to be where it's just like easy in the sense where whoever I'm working with, that stuff doesn't matter. Like we're like, like for instance, like working with you guys for the better life tribe videos was great. I feel like we were in sync working with um, Ryan Pineda and his team and Justin Berry, like easy to work with in the sense where they know what I'm good at. I know what they're expecting of me. And it's, you know, like going down the court, running the same play, you know? And with this guy, it's like, he thought it was like the spread offense. I thought we were going to run it up the middle and then, you know, calls a hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then he, and then he's calling a hail Mary. And, and so I, for me, it took a lot uh, out of me emotionally and mentally. Like I was telling Kyler, I woke up at five in the morning, no alarm. And I was like, this guy owes me money. He still owes me money. And it's been 90 days. And it was like two, over, it was over two grand that he owed me where I was just like, it's enough. It's enough to sweat it. You know, like I'm not going to just forget about this. And I put, you know, the email tracking on my emails. I saw the timestamps of when he opened them. I DM'd him on Instagram. I saw the scene underneath the message. It's like, this dude was reading my stuff. And then as soon as I said, hey, like, I would appreciate your cooperation and, you know, expect payment no later than this Friday, he, like, immediately gets back to me. And it's like, oh, so, like, you did review the video and you did have thoughts. You're just ignoring me. Do you have a late penalty in your contract? Normally, I do. Um, But in this particular instance, I I did not. So um, I defaultly have it, even if it's like friends and stuff. It's just always in there. Yeah, just for the pressure of it, because I don't want to be chasing invoices. Like, obviously, like if it's my close friend and he's like a few days late, a month late, whatever, like whatever it is, I'm not going to charge him. But it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, it's there. Like, I just want to let you know it's there and it'll rack up. And I don't make it cheap either. Like, it's not like, oh, giving you a dollar a day. No, it's like twenty five dollars a day. You're late. So it's like you leave that for a month. You're going to be paying a lot more. Um. Yeah, I think like one thing I've learned too is we always have like a rotten egg fund where it's just like there's just always a percentage no matter what. Even if you got a good first impression, whatever, the project's going great where they just ghost for a little bit. And that could be just because they're traveling. They're honestly just busy and just not making a priority. But um, collecting that other half of a payment is just like, hey, like it's just not going to come through. So it's like set 10% aside of your monthly and expect not to get that in like six months to a year. And it's just like a loss. And the big corporate companies do it. Like Nike sets aside the percentage millions of dollars every year for just stolen items. And they just write oh, it off breakage. as a loss. So it's, you know, they know, they expect it. And that's the other thing too, is like, I don't want to get caught off guard. So if I can just naturally just expect that, hey, 10% is going to be late no matter what all the time, then it's like I can live more peacefully knowing that like, hey, that's expected. Just keep moving forward. This is why so. I really try very hard to, uh, I, I, try, I try very hard to do small projects with people first, very small projects. And I'm like, hey, let's just do this thing for a day. Let's hang out. We'll do some content. Da-da-da. And I'll, I'll see 
for me, it's more like if I come out there, I'll do a little bit, do a little bit of content and I'll just charge you a pretty small amount of money. And then I just walk the whole thing is like, how fast do you pay your bills? Yeah. Oh, you don't. Great. I just, it, you know, it cost me a day to find out never to work with you again. Like that was easy. You know, I don't mind that. So I, I've done that many times and I've, dude, I've gotten, I've got, I've got breakage and I've had to chase people down before too. Cause sometimes, um, sometimes I, I, I'm particularly good at this. Sometimes people just need to be leaned on. Sometimes yep. people just need to be leaned on and you're like, Hey, I gave you a week. It's like, why'd you give him a week though? You know, you know, the alternative is like, why don't you just text him every day until he gets what you need to get done? You know, so I'm not saying you should go that extreme, but like everywhere in the middle is acceptable too. Sometimes, sometimes we, we send something over and we're like, Hey, you'll get to it when you get to it. And it's like, but it's not, I don't want it to be up to you. So sometimes I just lean on people. I'm like, pay me. Good fellas. What do you say? Fuck you. Pay me. <laughs> yeah, Work yeah. late. Fuck you. Pay me. Oh, something happened bad in the business. Fuck you. Pay me. <laughs> Dude, yeah. No, we were talking about that yesterday or, uh, I don't know when it was a few days ago, me and Sean, I was like, he's like, yeah, with your other incidents with that other client where there's like, yeah, I'm just business has been tough or like emotionally. I was like, dude, like business doesn't care about your emotions. We made an agreement that you're going to pay this for this service. I expect to be compensated for my work that's done. Like imagine if you hired me for a gig and then I text you the day of the event. I was like, oh, I'm just feeling a little tired and burnt out today. So I'm just not going to show up if that's fine. Um, so good luck. Like it just it just doesn't work like that. But then when I show up to work and then when it's completed, you're just going to be like, oh, I'll pay you when I get time. No, like any, and I understand like there's times to feel sympathy and empathy for people and what's going, going on in their lives. But at 95% of the time, it's just an excuse. Like, dude, we made an agreement. That's all that comes down to. This is a business transaction. This is not like, I'm your mom and like, I've got to treat you because you're having a hard time like during the week. It's, just, it's business. Like I've got bills to pay. I've got employees to pay too. So that's kind of like my opinion on it. You got to, you really got to get more, uh, not you specifically, but like people have to get more thick skin in that. And I think that's where creative struggle because we're a little bit more sensitive on feedback and and trying to not step on anyone's toes. But like Alex was saying, like sometimes you just got to let them know like, hey, I'm not in the wrong here. You owe me money. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that good of a creator, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a big uh, mix of both in this world for sure. But yeah. Well, yeah, that one was interesting. I'd be interested to get Alex's take. So I did a, a video project for um, a client who's, you know, also a friend. And um, it, everything went great other than on the second day of the shoot, the car got broken into a bunch of our gear got stolen and insurance wouldn't cover the full amount owed for her. And I didn't make a claim because, you know, it was like $500 deductible and it was only like $650 worth a year, but still it was like $650 worth a year. And after the car got broken into, cause, uh, you know, my client slash my friend, her her boyfriend didn't roll up the window all the way to the car. So that's how they got broken into. And so he said, oh, it's my fault. You know, I didn't 
well, the window. I thought it was my fault for leaving my stuff in the trunk. She thought it was her fault for also leaving stuff in the trunk. But when it happens, she's just like, oh my God, I feel so terrible. I will replace your, your gear. I will pay you back and replace your gear. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, great. And uh, firstly, she paid me late on the project and had a bunch of excuses and was saying like, oh, client hasn't paid me yet, so I can't pay you yet. And I was just kind of like, well, that, that's kind of backwards. Like, why, why don't you have your, you know, stuff more organized and just making complaints about having to pay other contractors and W2 like employees where I'm like, if you don't have the money, why are they on staff? Um, but finally she paid me and then she offered like, Oh, like maybe we could do like a payment plan for like the stolen gear. And I'm like, okay. And then eight months go by. Cause I'm like waiting for her to like, you know, bring it up. And then finally I was just like, Hey, like, do we want to talk about this? And she's like, yeah, sure. Like, like if we could do a payment plan, that would be cool. Like it's been a really rough year and don't have a lot of funds. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking like, it would be like, you know, 200 bucks a month payments or something for three months. And she comes back with how about $50 a month? And I'm like, that'll take 14 months to pay me back. Like, or like at least 12 months, the $600 that you owe. And then she has her assistant write up a DocuSign contract and sends it to me. And it, they're, now they're only offering to pay 50%. And at this point, it's kind of like a wash. Like, it's already been eight months. I already replaced the gear myself. I don't really anticipate, you know, if I can get the money for it that they offered, great. If not, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but it was just kind of an interesting scenario because it's like, one, like, what would you guys do if, if, like, I had gear in your car and your car got broken into? Like, who's entitled to... um you know, like, should I expect the money back? Cause it was stolen. You know, my stuff was stolen in, in possession of their car. Or is it my fault for just leaving tripods in the car and lesson learned, don't leave your gear in the car. But it was just kind of like this moral dilemma of like back and forth. Cause meanwhile, while she's saying, I don't have the money. If you look at her Instagram, she's going to festivals, getting haircuts, just got the new iPhone all in the last like two weeks, you know? So you're like, okay. Clearly, you know, you either got the money or you're spending your responsibility and putting it on credit. I don't know. But it just it was one of those perfect life examples where you see what people say on social media might not be facts and factual. Because if you look, she she had posted a thing like a few weeks ago, even where it's like, this was our best year to date. It's so cool to be in business and employ all these people. And like, I'm just sitting there like scratching my head because I'm like. It took you like, th you're you're like a, almost a month late to pay me like two thousand bucks, and like now you owe me six hundred bucks, and now you want to make it three hundred, and it's already been eight months, and you want to take another six months to pay it off. But it's been the best year ever, and you're super successful. It just doesn't uh, doesn't sit right with me. But all right, a few things. One, everything on the internet is a lie. Newsflash. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, but everything on the internet is a lie. So stop listening to what people claim that their their successes are because they're lying. They're fucking lying. The majority of them. Second, uh, Sean, ninety percent of your life's problems can be solved by richer clients. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're squeezing rocks, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're squeezing rocks. You're like, oh, these poor people can't pay me. I'm like, yeah, they can't. Just go. You need to get. You need to get. You need to go hang out at the Lamborghini store in Las Vegas and shoot car clients and just get rich clients. Yeah. Just get rich clients. Um, sure. 
Secondly, as far as, or thirdly, as far as liability, like technical liability, I, what you should have done is gone to your insurance and made a claim. That's what you have insurance for. And then said, um, it's their fault. And the insurance would have gotten the money from them, but you have a deductible of $500. So like you didn't claim insurance. So eat it. Mm -hmm. It's not her responsibility. She, now here's what happened though. She's, I mean, I'm so sorry to tell you that. Just eat it. Mm -hmm. And you're like hanging on to this. You're hanging on to it emotionally. I understand that there's like 600 bucks, whatever, but I mean, 600 bucks is not going to change your life in any way. So you're hanging on to it emotionally. It's like, dude, just, just drop that. Just get rid of that. That's cost you more than $600 in emotional, like strife over the last six months. And then, yeah. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, just let sure. it go. Yeah. I, well, I think that's exactly accurate with, it felt emotionally, it felt like two or three grand, you know, for how much, like, it bugged me. But also, people are really good at charity and altruism and generosity when they only have to say it. Meaning, like, I'll pay you back. I'll, oh, you got your stuff stolen? I'll pay for that. Don't worry about it. That makes them feel good. But when it comes to writing checks, it's a much different story. <laughs> so, like, it comes down to the same thing about people, you know, like a person who you've, you've heard them all the time. You've heard them at gigs or events where you meet them and they're like, I'd love to hire you. I'll pay you. Don't worry about that. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, they're so altruistic when they don't have to write the actual check. So just remember the difference between what people say and what people do. And stop getting wrapped up in what people say. Because what they say on the internet and to you and all these other things is, it's just what they say. It's not nothing, but it's, it's very, it's a whole other category from what people do. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Adding on to what Alex is saying, verbal contracts are just words (laughs) at the end of the day until I see it on paper or whatever there's, or the money's in my hand or whatever has been exchanged is been exchanged. Yeah. It's tough with that stuff because it's like your friends are friends, but then when it comes to money, you might not be on the same level of how they value an exchange of, of money and, and things like that on the financial side. So it's always difficult. Like you can be cool and hang out at the bar or whatever, but when it comes to money, people look at it completely different and treat it differently. Whereas like you might look at it as like, I'm a business owner, I, I'm responsible, blah, 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 get all that stuff done. But someone that's maybe new to entrepreneurship or just doesn't, you know, understand or value money and relationships like that, don't understand the power that money has when it gets involved in like, they have to give up something. So then it gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. Also I, people I try value not to. Cre- yeah. People so value, have weird valuations for creative. Like they want it. Right, but when it comes to writing that check, and like all I got was this minute video, not understanding what it takes, and the, and so then they're like, "Um, we can have some, we can have somebody else do this for way cheaper. It's just, it's just a camera, right?" Yeah. So there's like a weird vibe that happens all also with the creatives. They're like, "It didn't look like it was that hard for you, so it's probably not that valuable after the fact, you know." You you always got to go back with that doctor saying. You know, it takes a minute for a doctor to diagnose you, but it took them all those years of 
training and whatever to figure out to be able to diagnose it. Same with us. It's the cameras, yeah. like yeah. all of it. The lighting. The fact that I make it look easy means it's worth more, not less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll get punished for that. <laughs> yeah, but dude, what I wish for you, Sean, just in general is like, I just want you to stop. These two clients that you talked about, like these are, you need more expensive problems. Like you're never going to ha not have problems, but I hate seeing you deal with these folks that are just, I just think you're better. I think you're, you're more talented. I think you can deal with a, a higher dollar problem. Sure. That's all. Yeah. I want higher dollar problems. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd rather be like, I don't want to fight over $1,500, $2,000, $600. I don't want to fight over that. I'll, I, I want to fight over $50,000. I got an interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So back to the event stuff, I think that would be like a good idea of like, okay, they come across someone. They obviously, cause they're so busy can't go to wherever do a gig like dude work out like a referral fee that'd mm -hmm. be huge mm -hmm. i don't know if you already have one with them and stuff but like give them a cut and then just obviously like start out with a small gig like alex says just test it out and see how it goes and then from there just, just you know try to build that retainer or more repetitive type of business work because mm -hmm. that's huge like we've i've shot for clients and then i'm not let's say I'm not from that state. So they hired me out that one time, but you know, it kind of gets tough if they want me out there every other week. Type mm -hmm. of thing. So what happens is they like the edit though. So then they'll be like, Oh, okay. If I get a videographer out here, or if you know a videographer out here, can you just let me know? And then I'll just send you the edit. Cause I like the way you edit. So you still keep some of that business. But yeah, I found that to be really helpful through like, the journey of trying to get more clients and stuff because it is tougher because there are a let's just say there are a lot of clients mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of right clients sure i guess i shouldn't say a lot there's not a lot it's just it's a you're just dealing with a smaller pool mm -hmm. but once you get in with that smaller pool then it gets big because now it's like you know their network mm -hmm. um but but yeah i feel like that's all it takes is like one two three clients once you're in with that that circle it's big same with the enterprise game actually it's very similar like a bigger company once you get in with one and you do really good work they'll refer you to another company that like is pretty big so you're getting similar sized businesses that have budgets for things and that's like one thing i've learned too is just like actually i have a call later today with someone from a referral from one of our enterprise clients who's a bigger company He's like, yeah, this company does this, this. I was like, dang, like they're kind of big. So I'm looking forward to that one, that call today. But it's, dude, it's totally life-changing because dealing with all that headache stuff over like a few hundred bucks or like a thousand bucks, that just gets difficult. Yeah, it gets, it, I think Alex really, you know, uh, said it accurately. For me, it's just more emotionally draining. Like it's maybe like a two-level problem, but the way I react to it, it's like a six you know, so maybe I just got to get better at not reacting so much, but um, I think that's a really good point. The power of referrals and being in the right rooms or working with the right clients and then getting referral. One question I had for you, because I was going through this with another buddy the other day, I wanted to get your take on it. And maybe it could even kind of tie into um, 
kind of things we've already talked about, but I was working on an edit and I sent it to my buddy and I'm like, Hey, what do you think of this? And I was like 70% done. And he was like, Oh, I would do this, 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 and this, like take all the talking, bring that to the front, all the B roll you had for the montage add over the talking. And so he kind of like, he made some really good suggestions like story wise, but then I was like, dang dude, like this is going to add like another like three to four hours of editing this to it. And I had already kind of capped out my time spent for what the client was paying. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we're always constantly fighting this battle of uh, creative freedom and to try to make it as best as we can. But then, you know, if you look at it from like an hourly perspective, you know, we might only allocate certain amount of time to a project. And then after that, like in my mind, it's like a net loss. You know, if I thought I was going to take five hours and it's taken 10, I'm like, okay, this was a net Mm -hmm. loss for me. But how do you balance that, you know, creative freedom doing as best as you can on each video, but then also not being too invested in the project, you know, with the time spent into it? Because the the reality was the first version of like what I had sent my buddy, had I said that to the client, they would have been, this is dope. So like, I know my buddy is just, you know, he's like one of us, you know, he makes videos, so he's going to critique. Yeah critique it more difficultly but i think you have to pick and choose where you put your energy in those projects because mm-hmm. right you're always wanting to provide the best work possible mm-hmm. but also you have to understand the business side like i can't spend a whole week on this video if it's if i'm only supposed to be spending a day or two editing it mm-hmm. so understanding one if you are going to spend a little bit more time on the edit to make it what you think is super premium, then I would make sure that that's something you're going to add to your portfolio or something that really does stand out that you can use as marketing material after. Mm -hmm. Because now, now it's like, okay, well, if you thought my editing was good back then, look at it now. And then now it's, if that starts to consistently be the quality that you're pushing out, then one that justifies you being able to raise prices because <clears throat> hopefully the client sees it as more valuable. But also too, <clears throat> with editing, I don't know about you, but uh, with me, as I start doing things more often, repetitively, it gets quicker because I find out shortcuts, I find mm-hmm. ways to organize it better. So it's more optimized. So what took me a week to do now can basically be sped up into maybe two days again just because i optimized how it works um so yeah like now now you can charge more but your skills in advance or your editing's been vamped up so i would pick and choose because i think as creators too we struggle with sometimes we get really busy and we stop growing on the creative side of like how can we improve or like the industry starting to grow and like do these cool things and like I don't even know how to do that edit because I've been editing my older style. I think that's where a lot of older creatives uh, fall behind because with the new revolution of DSLRs and mirrorless cameras, back then everyone was filmed. So if no one adapts to film or even just TV commercials, broadcast journalism, their editing style is the same as it was 20 years ago. So that's not what society watches anymore that's why it's so hard for like these tv guys to switch over to the social media game because it's just 
if you weren't keeping up with it, you totally fell behind. Sure. Like how the, how the cuts work, cutting the music, all this different stuff. Um, so I don't want to be that person. That's like, okay, I, maybe this is how social media stuff or recap videos, let's say, are edited. But then 10 years down the line, because I kept editing the same way, nothing changed. But I kind of felt, I, you know, I finally take a step back and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm way behind on, um, you know, the styles. So I think it's important that you have to find time to invest into that. So if you're going to just, if you're getting paid for it anyways, you might as well experiment with it. Obviously, it's going to eat into your margins, but it's probably better than just doing it for free unless you have time on a passion project to experiment with that type of stuff. But, you know, like recap videos are always changing. Like from when I've seen it five years ago to what they are today with these young kids like doing crazy transitions and edits and stuff, the masking and all that. I was like, dude, that has to take a lot of time. And so if we're not adapting and experimenting with that stuff in those edits, then we're never going to grow. And I think that's where you get your return because you just, you can't fall behind. So that's my, I think that's, yeah, that's my take on it. I think you just have to pick and choose. Um, I wouldn't say do it every single time, but pick the ones that you think are worth adding to your portfolio and it upgrades it. That way your demo reel is always something new, something better. Sure. I think you brought up a good point about adapting and I, I've even noticed it too. I think with some of the younger, the younger bucks that uh, I've worked with where you know, they might not have spent years and years learning Final Cut or Premiere Pro, and they learned like DaVinci Resolve or CapCut or maybe like an iPhone, you know, editing app. But they they seem to have that willingness to to learn something new, especially if it could get them this, the desired result potentially quicker or easier. Um, like even uh, I was talking to this of uh, Spencer Berry the other day because he was editing on uh cap cut and he's been editing i think he said for like three or four months maybe less than six um but last time we had talked at the last you know at the hollywood mastermind in la he was saying like you know premiere all the way and he's you know he's like the og of like premiere stuff i think he said he's been using it for over 10 years so decent time but you know it's that's kind of like the dog. Old dogs don't want to learn new tricks. I've no, like I've even felt that with myself a little bit. Where I'm like, ah, I don't want to have to yeah. go learn this, even though I know it's probably quicker or there's a template. And so, yeah, I need I need to like even just remind myself more to to keep wanting to learn. But I think, like you said, it's hard. You know, the balance between filming and doing the work, editing the work. Uh, you know, leveling up on your skills for filming and editing. Like at one point last year, I kind of got out of the habit of doing it. But before every shoot, I would watch one tutorial on how to use my camera just because they're getting so comprehensive now. And there's so many like tips and tricks that like I haven't even gone through into the depth of like the menu systems, you know, after you kind of have your shortcuts and your hot buttons with where you want things are and, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, your 4k 24 30 60 or 120 frames a second and then then what you know and so for a while i was watching tutorials and it was like helpful and then i kind of got out of the habit of doing that so i think i might need to pick that back up because i would just 
watch, you know, five, 10 minutes of a tutorial randomly on, on the camera and like be surprised to, to see something that it does that I wasn't even taking advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it gets tough too. Cause like sometimes you just want to take a break and it's like, I don't want to be around the creative stuff. I just want to chill. Um, totally. But sometimes like I'm a natural, I naturally love like I'm techie. I love to like read up on stuff that I'm interested in. And then I'm like, why does it work like that? And, and like, how is this going to help people in the future or people in this industry? Mm -hmm. So naturally I'm drawn to that stuff. Um, so for me, it's kind of like a relax, relaxation type of thing. I don't know. Um, so watching like camera reviews or edits and like, I would like for editing, for example, I would look at like, what are the good YouTube videos doing that are in my niche? It would just be like, okay, this person has like 30 cuts in the span of, you know, 30 seconds, yeah. like one every second. Like it's crazy. And I'm like, okay. There has to be a reason behind that. And it's consistent with all the top videos. It's keeping people's attention. But it's it's not like crazy 30 shots. Like it would be like, let's say a wide shot of the camera. And then it jumps straight into a close-up. And then it's an extreme close-up. And that counts as three. But it's they're taking the time just to change it so the audience can stay engaged. But that's understanding YouTube and you know people's uh, retention and, and what and whatnot. But... Yeah, it's the growth part. But if I wouldn't have sat there and just studied it, right, and understand what to look for, then it's I wouldn't would never be able to grow. And um that's one cool thing about working with like YouTube creators mm -hmm. or even content creators that take it serious mm -hmm. and are basically full-time creators is like they study that stuff too or want you to study that stuff. Sure. Um so it doesn't feel like a waste of time. That was like one thing with Ryan. He's like, yeah, we need to study these videos and like figure out like why they're hitting and like what everyone else is doing that's doing good. And it becomes like this team group thing where it's just like, okay, how can we optimize the video? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's the growth thing. And it's tough uh, when you're working all the time to be able to hone in and just take the time to do it. But I think that's a requirement now. Uh, to be a creative is make sure you set aside time every week for not just work, but for knowledge growth of your industry and what's going on with it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even with camera equipment, I try to stay away from the camera equipment stuff because I'm like, oh, I'll buy some more pointless stuff that I don't need. But I like to know like what where the tech is now. Like even mm -hmm. with that new Sony that came out with the global shutter and mm -hmm. whatnot. Like I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like I think Red was the only one with a global shutter before. Um, I shouldn't say that because I don't know, but I think Red might have been the only one at the time. The Komodo, yeah, cinema camera. But now that the Sony has theirs, it's like okay, cool. Like what does that mean for the industry and what can you do with it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's good in general to network with creators on that aspect sure. too, because they know you're in the loop so they want to work with you as well and collaborate like like going back to the the older creators or um videographers or whatever who are stuck on like tv and broadcast like i can't talk to them about the new stuff because they have no clue what's going on they're like yeah well i mean back then we didn't do that i'm like i don't care about what's going on back then i'm trying to 
yeah. what's going on now? Yeah. And how yeah. can we get better? Yeah. Um, because that's where the money's at. So yeah, kind of off topic, getting off topic there. But yeah, I think it is important to educate all the time so you don't fall behind. Totally. Yeah, I think this year what I really want to do is make sure I carve out time or add it to the calendar where I'm deliberately, purposefully learning and experimenting, not just like the, the you know, the passive way. I'd be like, oh, I just watched a tutorial. Okay, I, I get it. But like to me, like the more deliberate way is like I watched the tutorial and followed along and did it in conjunction with them while they were teaching. Because then I feel like you really learn it. But then also trying to have more time for, you know, passion projects and like things like this, you know, because like to me, this, this fills me up makes me feel energized and it's fun you know getting on talking to you and alex yeah no it's always good uh what what else what else we got you you uh research anything else um i i hadn't researched too much you know we got ces going on this week in vegas i was you're going today i was thinking about going i have tickets to go if i could get everything done that i need to i was going to stop by for a little bit mark cuban's talking um at 4 30 so i was going to try to uh, go listen to the cubes um i was able to try so justin let me use his um the meta ray-ban glasses the other day so i got mm some clips of those when I was filming. That was kind of cool. It's different because there's no like prism or anything like Google Glass where you can actually see like what you're recording. So you kind of feel like it's like a blind shot in the dark of like hit. it's just a micro SD that's recording in there. Or, um well they got two cameras. Um I think it's 1080p. I don't know anything about the specs and it records like one minute clips at a time. And uh, it goes up to the cloud. So, like, you know, none of it's really stored locally on oh, the, the device. Meta cloud. Uh, but oh. it was cool. Like, they're, they're slick. They don't look too, like, intrusive. Um, they need Wi-Fi then? Yeah. So I think they need Wi-Fi or they connect to your phone, your maybe via, like, Bluetooth. I Justin yeah. didn't let me connect it to my phone, so it was already, like, connected to his. So anything, I don't know if I like that. Anything that I recorded was going to his phone, you know? Um, but yeah. we were just kind of messing around because, you know, something to have and could provide that cool potential like POV, you know, first person point of view um, shots. Um, but I, I was intrigued. It was kind of fun. Like I uh, it was definitely easy just to like tap it and, you know, that you're recording. Um, but kind of getting the composition of knowing where everything is in the frame was a little bit of a challenge. And then. You know, unless you're looking at the phone and watching the replay, you just have like, no idea if, if it worked or not, you know, but that's uh, hmm. that's all I got right now on the top of my list for uh, topics. Is, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything fun that you're working on this week? No, not much. I mean, uh, I w I'll save this conversation for later about how I pulled the Alex type of deal with content though. Oh yeah. So we talk about that later. Yeah. We should talk about that definitely on the next one. Yes. Um, so we'll save that and that's still a work in progress. So that's, I'm ex honestly, that's where uh, my energy's at right now. Um, but obviously I don't want to go into detail on that. So we'll yeah. save that for the next one. Sure. That'll be fun. Um, yeah. Besides that, it's just dude, it's back to the goal stuff. Like, yeah. I want to knock out my goals and that's 
one of my major goals that I wrote down. And so I'm starting it already in the new year. Um, and then just making sure fitness wise. So I'm just trying to hit the gym more and I play a lot of soccer, like, you know, and, uh, just hit my weight goals and like physique goals, I should say Mm -hmm. more physique goals. And, um, yeah, just stay focused for the year. I'm excited. Like I'm energized. I felt like last year, this time it was just like, I wanted to get through the end of 2022 just to get in 2023. And I felt like I didn't really set, I set goals, but I didn't properly do it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, uh, I wasn't mindful of them, I should say. Sure. Uh, but this, this year it's kind of like a good reset for me and I'm, I'm a lot more mindful of it. And I feel like my mental capacity is back where it's like, okay, let's knock it out let's take it serious and um see where life takes me but um yeah that's it for me i mean you know life as an entrepreneur is sometimes very mundane yeah (laughs) ride the wave of the same things building building it up to wherever you want to get sure what about you um well i got another night shoot tonight I was going to talking about learning. I need to learn. I'm helping somebody set up a black magic camera tomorrow, and I haven't really messed around with those that much. So I was going to watch a couple tutorials on that. I'm flying to San Diego to help a guy with his home office set up. Is it the uh, 4K? Uh, yeah, I think. I don't know. I just they were like, "Hey, we have a black magic that we need help with," and I was like, "Okay." So um, going a little outside that the took me a minute zone. to understand. Yeah. I'm going to watch yeah. some tutorials and see see what I can learn. I mean, I'm still bringing my camera and we're going to film stuff with my gear. Um, but I think ideally he wants to have his stuff set up so he can just hit record. So is it talking head or is it like there's a lot of movement? Uh, we're going to be filming all you know. reels, I think, like Insta reels. So. Okay. So he's going to be black magic. I would probably have a LUT built into there. Really? Are you the one editing it? Um, no, but I know the person who's editing it, so I could probably help. Person who's editing it. Yeah, because if I you're shooting it. all black, if you're shooting Black Magic raw, then he's gonna have to just throw a LUT over it every time or grade each one. Hmm. Um. The only thing I hate about Black Magic is their autofocus is basically non-existent. Hmm. So if he moves, depending on like what your aperture is and stuff, if he's moving like back and back and forth and swaying, he might get out of focus. Oh no! Um, and so like I don't I don't know if you use Black Magic, but like to focus, you have to like tap the top of the button to like refocus it. Otherwise, it just stays. Oh, okay. It doesn't like move on its own. Wow. Yeah. Um. That's why I don't like Black Magic. I mean, I get it for like movies and stuff, but and you can focus well and stuff. But I'm like, dude, it's just so inconvenient. Um, but yeah. Anyways, yeah. Let me know if you have any questions on that too. Plus, the sensor's small, so you need a lot of light. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll let you know. I got I got some tutorials queued up that I'm gonna watch after and see if I can do a quick deep dive. But yeah, other than that, um, similar to you, just trying to get my Stay on track with the goals. Keep that carrot on the stick in front of us, you know, where it's not so far out that you feel unmotivated to do anything. But 
I think, um, yeah, unless there's anything else that you want to share, I think, you know, we're, we've been in for 50 minutes. If you're still watching at this point, like subscribe and share, leave us a comment down below. Yes. Next time. They all left because they're like, dude, Alex, Alex isn't here. Yeah. So <laughs> anybody, who, these two weirdos, our watch time, our watch time just dropped right when Alex got off the call. Drops the scene is out. So yeah, everyone's yeah. here for Alex, but yeah, no, that's it for me, man. I think, uh, yeah, let's just get ready for next week and we'll be good. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's get some topics to talk about. I think your, uh, video trade, uh, venture project that we want to talk about next week could be, uh, fun. And then, uh, just follow, yeah. following up on like the, you know, black magic and, uh, I'm going to work on trying to have those bigger money problems that Alex advised. Cause yeah, the couple hundred dollar ones are kind of yeah we should petty. do like a where is he now yeah, yeah video yeah. like six months later yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah we'll talk about that but um yeah man have a good weekend and uh everyone thanks for watching and we'll see you guys next week great chatting with you kyler bye alex even though you're not on the call <laughs> you watch it but uh <laughs> awesome all right take care cool take care bye bye